When you hear Christmas preparation, what do you think of? I'm just curious. Uh, you don't have to answer, but just begin to think of what you think. It might involve some things that, that we did. Uh, one of the things that is very near and dear to my heart that's uh, getting up in the attic. Um, I really... I really don't appreciate the climbing in the attic. I'm just joking. But, uh, you know, it might, you might think of that. We're going to get up in the attic or the storage, wherever that's at, pull down all of the decorations, uh, maybe getting a tree of some sort. Um, if that's live or fake, we could have a whole debate on that. We went back and forth and back and forth in our house, and uh, we love the real trees, but uh, they're, you know, hard to keep up with. Um, animals love the real trees also. That becomes an issue sometimes. Um, you know, so putting the tree up, putting lights on the house. Anybody put lights on the house or inflatables in the front yard? You know, preparation. Um, how about baking cakes? Maybe making some cookies or some candy. Uh, that's one of our favorite pastimes, or one of mine, I guess, in our house is, you know, making some peanut brittle during the Christmas season, maybe making some fudge, all of those things that bring back good memories. We, and um, I don't know if it's a dad thing, so, I, and I am dressed in my dad's sweater today. Uh, somebody said it's like Father Knows Best, if you remember that show from way back. <clears throat> but the difference is, is um, who was it that said, I make this look good? So, <laughs> we are... Uh, Sorry, I'm getting off track here. Where was I? Oh, um, my dad, when I was growing up, one of the things I loved about Christmas time was uh, he would get all the different kinds of nuts, you know, like some walnuts and some pecans and some peanuts and some almonds. And I don't, I don't know what it was, but we just had all these um, nuts that we could come and, and uh, eat. So we try to do that at our house, all the candies. Um, honey ham. Oh, man, one of my favorite things about the seasons, and it seems like Easter and then Thanksgiving and then Christmas, every opportunity I have to get one of those, uh, you know, sugar-baked honey hams is awesome. Or maybe it's a turkey. You're going to smoke a turkey. You know, it seems like we all have a thousand things to do to get ready for Christmas. I mean, do you feel that way? Like preparation. We've got kids programs, and we've got, in fact, next week, don't miss the church's children's program. It is going to be fantastic, and we will wish you a very emoji Christmas uh, next Sunday, so uh, make sure that you're here for that. But, um, you know, just there's so many things. When we think about getting ready for Christmas, and we're preparing for Christmas, and, you know, even I have to be careful because we enter into the season of Advent, and we begin to talk about preparation for Christmas, but the season of Advent is not that kind of preparation. It's an entirely different kind of preparation in getting ready for Christmas. So in Mark chapter 1, we're going to read the scripture today. By the way, if you'd like to follow along the, the uh, Bible or the uh, sermon notes today, then you can go to the Bible app or the church's app and look for the notes for today. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Uh, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. 
After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed that Mark is the only uh, gospel that does not begin with the birth of Jesus? Mark just jumps right into it. It's, it's interesting that, he, that it's that way. Mark, while he doesn't talk about the birth of Jesus, he does talk about preparing ourselves for Jesus, who is the Messiah. Mark begins the account of the life of Jesus this way, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, which Larry read for us today. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. You know, even though Mark doesn't give a clear, I mean, excuse me, a classic Christmas story, he opens his book this way, and he essentially wraps up the entire Christmas message in just a few words. He does it so concisely and, and so neatly. He feels like he wants to talk about the good news of Jesus in a different way, and we call that the gospel. If you remember, the word gospel simply means the good news. You know, and I want to say there's nothing wrong with Christmas trees, and there's nothing wrong with tinsel, and there's nothing wrong with the delight of children opening their gifts. I think all of those things are good things, and I think that they bring joy, and, and we get to spend time with uh, family members and have some food and some um, presents, and, and we laugh, and we make family memories. All of those things make Christmas special. But this isn't the kind of good news that Mark's talking about. He begins the beginning of the good news. Our task at Christmas is not everything that seems to occupy us, everything that seems to get in our way, but to rediscover the cause of the celebration. And that's my encouragement to you during the Christmas season. Let's rediscover the cause of the celebration. Don't get wrapped up in the celebration itself. While I love the celebration, I enjoy it tremendously, and having kids, it makes it even um, more special in our house. Of course, before our kids, we had a great time. Teresa and I, even when we couldn't be with our parents, we would buy gifts for each other, and put up Christmas tree, and have all the stuff. It was awesome. The celebration is not a bad thing, but don't get lost in the celebration. What is the cause of the celebration? What is this good news? So today I want to talk about John the Baptist and how he prepared the way. And the first is that I just want to mention this from the outset, something that you're probably all thinking, and he was an unusual messenger, right? When you, when you hear of John, he's an unusual messenger. Verse 6 says, he wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. I get a feeling that Jesus, uh, I mean, excuse me, John, who was Jesus' cousin, was a little different, at the family reunions, maybe John was that guy, you know? Um, and some of you might have people in your life who's, who's that person. So-and-so is coming to Christmas this year, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> like, just sit back and watch the show. Here comes John. Look at him. Wearing his camel hair and his leather belt. Oh, does he have a, does he have a, a leg stuck in his tooth? From, you know, because he's eating the locust. I don't know. <laughs> Think about that. 
I get, that, I get the feeling that he, was just, he would have been classified as just a little different. There are just some people that if you invited to a social fun, uh, function, you would feel a little uncomfortable having them around, you know? And John might have been that guy, wearing the camel hair, the leather belt, eating locusts and wild honey. I mean, he was a man of the desert. He was eating food from the desert, and he wore clothes from the desert. It's just who John was. He probably should have uh, or could have been one of the greatest contestants ever to grace the show Survivor. If you ever watch uh, Survivor, it's one of my oldest daughter Morgan's favorites at 14 years old. It's, a, it's kind of a family thing we do. We, we like to sit down and watch Survivor. She loves it. John the Baptist would have won that show. <laughs> at least he would have outlasted everybody. The point is that God can and will use anybody who wants to partner with him to reach people for Jesus. Nobody is out of the realm of possibility of being a partner with God in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Nobody. But here's the thing is John had an unexpected message. It really was unexpected. Sometimes when you hear things all the time, they, they begin to sound the same way. You know what I mean? If, if you hear the same thing over and over and over, then eventually you kind of begin to tune that out. I mean, think about it. At this time of year on um, the newspaper, anybody still take the newspaper um, or get it online maybe? One of my favorite things as a child was my dad would get the newspaper and I would um, get the comics out, right? And then as I got older and had a little money to spend, I would get the sales out. So I still love the sales, but now they're all online. So. But the newspaper, the TV, the radio, uh, all your social media feeds, and it's interesting that sometimes Teresa and I will begin to talk about something, and then it begins to show up on you know, Facebook or Instagram, like, wait a minute, <laughs> who's listening to what we're talking about? It's everywhere, right? And, and all of the ads are saying this. There's a special going on right now. Walmart is having a one-day-only, never-going-to-happen-again sale, and it's today. Or Amazon, today for three hours only, you can get this one little gadget, and it's from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Don't miss out. Or Kohl's. Anybody like Kohl's? Kohl's is having a yellow dot sale. Any yellow dot sale fans out here? Yellow dot sale. Some things are marked down 50 to 75% off. Don't miss it. Yellow dots everywhere. And after a while, you begin to hear those things over and over and over again. And pretty soon, you begin to tune them out. Right? I, I um, read a book by Simon Sinek called Discovering Your Why. And he talks about the, um, the success that Apple has had through the years. And one of the things that you rarely see is Apple having a one day only special event. Everything must go. Because they have found that that type of advertising is actually less effective than helping people identify with your why. Why you exist as a company. And Apple has become so successful because people identify with the why they exist, which is to create great products that people need and then it even gets into this place where people don't even need them anymore they just want them because apple has such great products and that's why as a church we have made our why why we exist as a church is to love like jesus so lives are changed and if we want people to come it doesn't do us any good to stand on the street corner and say um a special one day only, get into heaven if you come to our church. 
But if we say, listen, if you want to be a part of our body of believers, then we promise we're going to love like Jesus so lives are changed. And as people identify with that, and as lives get changed, and as people become whole new creations, they identify with the why we exist, and they want to be a part of that. It's just a difference in advertising, and, and, and we begin to um, feel the sense of urgency when we see these ads. And, and you might think at the beginning, wow, I don't really need anything, but man, it sounds too good to miss. I've got to spend my money. But as that kind of advertising becomes less and less meaningful, you realize that Walmart has one-day-only sales all the time. And that Amazon, if you miss the Amazon Days sale, then there's a Black Friday sale coming. But if you miss the Black Friday sale, that's okay because there's a Cyber Monday sale. But if you miss the Cyber Monday, it's cool because now they have Cyber Week, right? Like they are having these things all the time. And when you go to the Kohl's Yellow Dot sale, <laughs> you may w walk in and think, man, there's really no yellow dots on anything that I want, <laughs> The advertising, the sales, they all become less and less meaningful and is the reason why we pay less attention. We become so saturated with this advertising language and it all sounds the same. Now fast forward to John the Baptist. Maybe that's why John was the way he was. If he was just another one, another voice saying the end is near or the Messiah is coming or just somebody else, then maybe people wouldn't listen. If you would have met John the Baptist, you would have realized right away that he was an entirely different kind of person. Maybe this is somebody that I should listen to because he's different. Something about him is different. He, he looks different. He acts different. He, he speaks different. He's different from the norm. I don't think you'd see him at any of those one-day-only sales at Walmart. Well, actually, maybe you would see him at Walmart, but he, <laughs> you got it? With me, because I love Walmart. <laughs> he doesn't use that spiritual, sappy talk you hear every Christmas. He doesn't use all those cliches about caring and sharing and, and family and giving and hugging and singing. He's not speaking that way. You can tell right away he's not a salesman. John the Baptist is not going to try to sweet-talk anybody into anything. And he's certainly not a politician. He's not trying to win any popularity contest with the way he says things. Not trying to match his words to whatever the popular opinion is of the day. It's one of the reasons I just can't stand politics is because every single politician just wants to match whatever they think we want. He's a breath of fresh air. He doesn't care what people think or what they say about him. He, he came to tell the message straight and exactly the way it was. Take it or leave it. Jesus is here. The Messiah is coming. He's so great, I am not even worthy to stoop down to tie his sandals. Like, I'm not even good enough to do that. This guy is so awesome. And then Mark says that John fulfilled the prophecies of Malachi and Isaiah. And he quotes Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight 
make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When John the Baptist comes, he acts as a herald or an announcer that Jesus is coming. And if you can put yourself in the shoes of those of that day, there had been other Messiah figures that had risen up. People were looking. They desired to have a Messiah. They, they were looking for their Savior to come. So um, it was something that people had already come and heralded. So John had to be different. He had to be set apart. He had to be uh, somebody with a different message in a different kind of language. When he says prepare the way of the Lord, the word translated prepare uh, can be used as making a thing ready or keeping it ready. John wasn't telling the people to make a literal road. He was saying, hey, Jesus is coming. It's time to get ready. Prepare ourselves. Is your heart ready to meet Jesus? In our love of the celebration of the birth of Jesus, I think sometimes we get lost. We love to prepare for Christ because it's like preparing for a baby to be born. And we all get really excited when a baby's born. And when there's a new mama who's going to have a baby, we're like excited about it, right? And the baby comes and we're, so we love that. We need to remember, though, that this one, this baby, is one who came to change everything. It's more than just preparation like for a baby shower. This is preparing for the king of the world. And then imagining that this person who should have been born into a majestic standard was actually born in a lonely a lowly feed trough. I know that we have to be careful with setting an expectation for what we think we deserve, who I think I am, how important I am. Do you know who I am? I'm the pastor of the church, by golly. You better take... No. Jesus, who considered... Paul says, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather was born in a lowly manger, considered himself nothing. We have to be careful. It's like in the world, in leadership, a lot of people equate like a pyramid, right? And at the top is the CEO. And then as it goes down, you have, and then at the bottom, you have all these people supporting you. In the Christian world, flip that thing upside down. And the leader is the lowest. Can we do that? John the Baptist was telling the people, you need to get ready because someone more powerful than I is coming. John the Baptist tries to get the world ready for Christ. And the world of his day is not unlike the world of our day. It had religious and unreligious people. The non-religious of his day, like our own, they didn't really care about Jesus or anything. They liked their sin. Right? They didn't want anybody like Jesus getting in the middle of it. And then the religious of their day, just like in our day, 
don't think they need Christ. So when, the, when Christ came, the religious and the non-religious alike rejected him. They weren't ready for Christ to come into their lives. And look at Jesus' interaction of every time that he would get um, irritated with people was when he was talking with the religious elite. It was when he was talking with the people who went to church. We have to be careful. Open our hearts. They just weren't ready for Christ. So how are we to get ready? In verse 4, John uses the word repent. This is one of, um, when I really came to understand what repent meant. Repent, growing up, I had in my mind, turn or burn, right? Repent or burn in hell. And, pro- and that's still true, but I think the, the, the presentation is different than that because Jesus has given us the promise of a life with him. And let me just tell you about heaven for just a minute. It's not even in the notes, but I, I want to make sure you understand that the, the promise of heaven is not a, uh, you know, by and by when we die and we join him and then you get a, uh, issue, everybody's issued a harp and sits on the cloud and you're in heaven. Jesus came to speak about Jesus' good news, Jesus' gospel, every time he said, let me tell you the good news about the kingdom of God. Let me tell you the good news about the kingdom of heaven. He always was teaching people about the kingdom of heaven, and it wasn't a time when you were gone from this place. It was, how can life be? How can we make heaven come down here? How can we bring what is happening up there down here? The kingdom of God is with us. When we go somewhere, we take the kingdom with us. And so repent is not a turn or burn uh, philosophy for me. John came baptizing in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John tells us the preparation that we need to make is to repent. This is our preparation, repent. But the Greek word translated repentance is uh, metanoia, and metanoia is a word that means a change of mind or a change of heart. It means exchanging a former thought for a new thought. It means repenting. I was going this way. I repent Now I'm going this way. It's just a whole different direction that we're going now. And what he's trying to get people to do is to understand that it's time to change our minds about the sin in our lives. It's time to give up the former way of thinking and let's embrace a new way of thinking. Let's give up all the death and the treachery and the lies and the deceit and And let's embrace the kingdom of God where the poor and the marginalized are welcomed in, where where immigrants are accepted, where race and ethnicity doesn't matter, where just everybody is loved and embraced and feels like part of the family. Let's give up the former and embrace a new thought. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, Paul says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And that's where the idea comes from that there is a punishment. We have to recognize there is a punishment for sin. But God doesn't want that for us. 
He wants a place. And you can have the kingdom now. That's the thing I love about it. I, I grew up thinking, I don't know that anybody taught me this. I just, like osmosis by being in the church, I guess. But I grew up thinking that heaven was this far off place that one day when I died or Jesus came back, which I was scared of, <laughs> I would be there. As I grew up and really began to study and understand what the Scripture is teaching me, like I can have this place where all of you love me and embrace me and welcome me in. And now that God has shown that grace to me through you, it's my job to become a conduit of that grace myself to others. And see, when I love others undeserved, when I embrace others even though they don't deserve it either, I'm a conduit. God's grace flows through me to them. They are now embraced into the kingdom of heaven as they repent and join us. And I just love that because my life now is so much better that I understand that. And when Jesus comes back, he's not going to come back and say, and this is something that I think people misunderstand also, he's going to come back and boom, I'm a completely different person when Jesus comes back and no, that's not true. You will still be you. So you have to come to grips with the fact now that when we're in the presence of Jesus, you will still be you. And if you don't like Jesus now, then why would you feel comfortable spending an eternity with him? So we have to, as we, and, but the thing for me is, as I fall in love with him, now I can't wait for him to return because I'm like, this is going to be awesome because I still get to be me. I don't become a whole different person. I just become a better version of myself. Anyway, that's all free. That wasn't even in here. The call to repent is one of the most important things we can do or hear as we get into this season of Advent and Christmas. And I guess that's what I wanted to, to share today. As we exchange greetings and sing Christmas carols and, and the shouts of joy as presents are open, all of those things should remind us of repentance. Repentance not being a bad or hard word, but a I'm exchanging a former thought for a new thought. I'm turning my back on the life of sin and embracing the kingdom of God. So what's the result? Verse 5 says this, The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So here's the deal. People today are looking for good news. In this year especially, 2020, people are looking for good news. They're looking for hope. They're looking for joy. And the crazy thing is, as Christians, we have it. When people look at you, do they see that? Does your presence invite them to be a part of the kingdom? So here's the two thoughts to close. Have you received and accepted the good news today? If not, don't leave until you do. And the second is, are you telling others about the good news? I read this thing and I thought it was great. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology... God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, he would have sent us an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness. 
So he sent us a Savior. This morning, as we prepare for Jesus' return, the question I have is, are you ready? Are you ready? Have you received him? We're going to close in a prayer, and I'm just going to ask you guys as as the band plays, and then we're going to sing a song at the end. If you feel like you don't know the kind of repentance that I'm talking about this morning, then I invite you to, uh, uh, to join that, to understand that, to repent yourself. So if you guys would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Let the Holy Spirit really just begin to speak to your heart. And I want to say, God, this morning, if there's somebody here who either has never given their heart to you and received your good news, or maybe they have and they've stepped away from it, would you help them begin to repent and embrace you? Teach us, Father, what it means to live in your kingdom. Teach us, God, to love others the way you loved us. that's my first if you want to receive Christ and you have never and if you're watching online or if you're in person it's very simple Jesus forgive me for my sins come and live in my heart and I promise with your help to do my best to live for you the rest of my life today Jesus we repent we turn from our former thought, our former way of thinking, and we embrace a new thought. And the second thing is, are we truly conduits of His grace? Are we telling people of His good news? Are we showing them by the way we live? So Heavenly Father, for the rest of us, I ask that you would help us to receive Jesus in such a way that we become conduits of your grace and your mercy that other people may come to know you because they identify with our why to love like Jesus so lives are changed. Be with us this morning. Jesus, we love you today. We're so grateful that you have, um, that we are able to celebrate your birth we're grateful that we get to stand in solidarity today with those who a couple of uh, millennia ago were waiting on their Messiah. But help us not to get lost in the celebration. We want to remember the cause of the celebration. In Jesus' name I pray these things.